The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. I thought we'd ease the hour in with a little bit of music, make things calm and collected in these crazy, crazy times. And lots of interesting technology. Just finished a live webinar with uh, the launch of one life and life queue and VO sense with Samsung. Very interesting take on the life insurance industry and closing the loop between health, wellness and technology and life insurance. One of those grudge purchases that most of us get involved in at some point uh, in our lives. But a lot more on that in our gadget of the week or gadgets or gadget system of the week a little bit later. But right now we are talking about some interesting new developments in the tech business. And finally, we now have three 5G networks commercially available up and running in South Africa as we speak. MTN finally went uh, live. They've been teasing us for a while, and I think they did want to try to get up and running before the end of June. But they did get going. And yes, yesterday they announced the launch of their 5G network in South Africa that will be commercially available pretty much from today, from yesterday, in fact. But um, on the 30th of June, they launched it, and it's out there. It is very limited. There are a couple of sites in uh, Johannesburg, a couple of sites uh, in Cape Town, and one or two in Durban and other less, uh, you know, obvious areas. But their rollout is significantly bigger than the one that they that um, Vodacom did. And it's actually, from a technical point of view, using a whole lot of different frequencies. Now, both MTN and Vodacom have taken advantage of the special allocated spectrum that was given to them by CASA because of the whole COVID um, situation and everything that went on around that. And they're going to have to give that uh, that um, spectrum back sometime in November, I think the end of November. But the government have after many, many years of procrastinating, and let's hope they finally stick to it. The government said that they will be auctioning or allocating that spectrum to the various networks very soon thereafter, so there'll be very, very little break in the the additional spectrum. And specifically, I mean, Vodacom in the MTN in the Johannesburg, Cape Town and Bloemfontein areas are going out on 58 sites at 3.5 gig which is a frequency they've not used for much elsewhere. And the more traditional frequencies, 2100 and 1800, which they've used for 4G and other, you know, other more traditional or older technologies are also available in Johannesburg and places like Port Elizabeth. But they're also transmitting in the 700 meg range, which is very interesting. And that is definitely a loaned frequency. And then more interestingly, they are transmitting at 28 gigahertz, which is a very, very high frequency, which is great for high speed uh, and mostly will work with their fixed mobile technologies. And that's available in Hatfield, Edenvale and Durban. So a glimpse into the future of 5G, as we've discussed on the show many, many, many times ago uh, going forward, that number one, there are no health risks to 5G. It's no different in many cases to 4G. It's not radiation that has any impact on any biological life whatsoever. And there is no evidence that this is, has any real impact. But what it will do is have a massive impact on the speed, the capacity and the ability 
to do more and more and more online. And some people are shaking their heads and saying, but, you know, we do so much online. Our kids, everyone's spending their lives on in front of their screens. The simple fact is technology is becoming an integral part of absolutely everything that we do. And the more advanced networks like 5G just makes much better use of available spectrum, available technology, uh, you know, capacities and takes it literally to the next level. No more slowing down when lots of people are on the network, um, much higher quality transmission of data, lower latency. So gaming and, and voice and all sorts of things that are really critical and becoming more video, all this video chatting we're doing these days. It's going to become more and more pervasive, and you're going to need networks that have the capacity and the capability of dealing with those challenges, those demands, um, in a very, very, very much more scalable way. And that's what 5G does. So watch the space. The race finally is on. Vodacom, MTN, commercial mobile services, Rain, commercial Fixed 5G services, been using Rain for a bit. I've been trialing MT, uh, Vodacom. I'm waiting to get uh, my SIM activated on the MTN network so I can go find a spot and try their 5G. But the initial reports are that it's incredibly quick um, and really, really low latency, which is just what we're expecting. But there is one interesting wrinkle going on. The phone that Vodacom launched with was the V50 from LG. And uh, that device is not compatible with the MTN network, which is interesting. Some areas it may be, but it doesn't cover all the frequencies that uh, MTN are using. And the next generation phone that LG have launched, the Velvet, which I'm hoping to get a review sample of fairly shortly, will work across both the Vodacom and the MTN network. And it just shows you that 5G is perhaps a little bit um, immature in its or I wouldn't say immature, but the technology is new. There are certain elements that might be not entirely compatible across them. So be a little bit careful. You can't take a, a LG V50, pop a, a MTN SIM in and hope that will work everywhere. And pretty much vice versa. There may be phones, some 5G phones that are not available in South Africa that you buy that will not work with a millimeter wave, which is the 28 megahertz stuff. And it's still a, a field that needs a lot of maturity. But expect to see, certainly with the launch of the new iPhones end of this year, expect to see all of the new um, Samsung Galaxy Note phones that are coming in September, August, September. So all the new phones going forward will be second or third generation chips from the various manufacturers and will definitely offer full compatibility across all the various 5G bands and all the various 5G systems. Well, there's only really one system. But 5G will be a big deal. You're going to see it popping up on um, expensive phones to start, but uh, Qualcomm have launched some really moderately priced chipsets, so we're going to see it on much, much smaller, um, much lower priced phones very shortly. So that is all the good news around 5G. Expect to hear more about it. Expect it to come to an area much closer to you soon as they expand their reach and their, their, um, their coverage across the country really, really quickly. Well, MTN have said that if the government give them the uh, go-ahead and give them the spectrum, they will be able to roll out to thousands of sites pretty much immediately because the technology is there and happening. And talking of new technologies, our friends at WhatsApp have launched quite a lot of new stuff in the last week. It's been really, really, really interesting um, how many how many um, new features are coming to to WhatsApp, and for lots of reasons. One, P 
people are spending a lot of time at home. They're using video a lot more than voice, WhatsApp and chat. I mean, why? If you're both sitting at the computer, you know people are around or you both got your smartphones, you're not driving or anything. Video becomes a, a big thing. So as much as WhatsApp does video, it has primarily been a bit of a chat and voice service. And um, they're doing everything they can to stay competitive with the Zooms and the Teams and all the other services that are in the market. Uh, dark mode came was was announced um, a while back, and finally it's caught up with the iOS devices, so it saves battery. Um, I think it looks quite cool. Some people don't like the fact when their phone goes all black and white instead of white or white on black is normal. Is the dark mode and black on white is the normal mode. Literally does save between 15 and 20 percent battery life, which is really cool. They say reduces eye strain. I don't find any real problem there, but anyway. What they've also done is increase the number of users that can join a video call to eight, which is quite a big deal. And um, in in group chats of eight or less, you can do it. You can call all members with a single tap, which is actually useful. I've tried it. What they are bringing now is animated stickers, which brings them right up against iOS's uh, um, advantages. They're also allowing you to scan a QR code, which is very, some, very something that WeChat and QQ and the other Chinese guys have done, with QR codes being absolutely huge for all sorts of uses in China, but not that um, uh, readily available in South Africa. But you'll be able to scan each other's QR codes and automatically add the user to contact, which is really cool. They're also talking about a couple of uh, beta features, which might be useful is you can search by date because often you send a message to someone and it's just a struggle scrolling through their thing trying to find out uh, where you sent it. I think that'll be a great new feature. Also, the way that they store the messages and store the videos and the pictures that you get um, is going through a bit of a revamp. But no question, in South Africa at least, um, it is definitely one of the biggest and best of the various uh chat communication platforms. So, yeah, it's just cool that they're keeping up with the, the Joneses and making sure that they, their app has got all the features that everyone else has. Now, before we break for Tech Talk Cafe, which is coming up in a few minutes, where we talk to um, Sean Durant, who's the general manager of HMD Global. Now, HMD Global is not a company you need to remember the name of, but the brand that they own, present, sell, and manufacture is called Nokia, and Nokia is a brand that everyone knows in the mobile space. And just some interesting insights into what's changed, how COVID and the lockdowns and the global recession that is hitting us um, is affecting them, and uh, some interesting insights into what Nokia are up to in the mobile space. And again, a great brand that we can certainly trust in these trying times. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And with me virtually as we do all these these days is Sean Durant, who is the general manager of a company called HMD Global. But HMD Global is Nokia handsets globally and in South Africa. So welcome to the show to the show, Sean. Thanks so much, Stephen. Always good talking to you. Appreciate your time. Now, give us a little bit of insight. There's been massive upheaval globally, locally. Everything's turned on its head and, and so many things have changed and so many things have developed in the last couple of months at speeds 
that none of us could ever anticipate. Just give us a little bit of insight into how you see it from your perspective, both global and local, around um, the handset and mobile industry. You know, some insight into what's changed and where you see us being in the, the nearish future. Yeah, it's been a dramatic turn of events. I don't, and I don't think anyone's been left, you know, unaffected. It's, it's, um, it's really pushed us into a space where we've got to think about, consciously think about doing things a little bit differently. Our, you know, assumptions six months ago are completely different to our assumptions today. Um, and that's something we've had to embrace and, and take forward and work with, you know, at every given turn. And it's got to be very intentional. It's, it's, you know, unfortunately something like this on a global scale, um, is not something that happens at the same time to everyone and to the same level. Um, and that's something we've had to juggle, you know, with our breadth and, and depth of, of touch points, not just on the African continent, but globally as well. Um, where, you know, you've got different phases of lockdown, you've got different phases of lifting of lockdown, you've got different, and that drives, you know, consumer behavior, what consumers are, are, are not able to do. And I think most importantly, and this is something we couldn't really put our finger on from the get-go as accurately as what, what we'd, what we'd like, um, and obviously hindsight's 2020, so it's easy to say that, but, you know, we didn't quite know what the consumer uh, preferences would be what the consumer, more importantly, what the c- consumer priorities were going to be when they go out and buy tech, and, and obviously in our space that's mobile telephony. You know, to what extent is their disposable income impacted? Um, to what extent is you know the value of device as important as what it is um, around functionality and, and things like that? And that's something we've learned. We've learned over a six to eight eight week period has been really really interesting. We obviously, we've had to lean on our retail partners quite heavily. Um, as well as our operator partners too, and that's obviously how our product flows into the markets that we're, we're relevant in. Um, but it's been it's been an absolute eye opener. If I think of a COVID plan that we had in place for the period of six weeks, where things were really bad in terms of lockdowns, you know, we were really restricted in terms of what we could do, and we look back at that period now versus actual performance, we're upward of 35% better than what we what we called being. During that period, That's which I think very, is, very is absolutely so, there's been a very much swing. So. Absolutely, and I think what's really kept things ticking along, you know, we talk about those essential services, those retailers that were providing essential services and products that were allowed to trade during lockdown. And I talk, you know, about a ShopRite, uh, for example, a pick and pay, for example. Um, those were the only outlets in real terms that were were able to um, were able to stock mobile products. Uh, and that sort of kept things ticking along. And then, then one May came along and we had a lift, um, you know, where things were opened up a little bit more. Uh, and people then had the ability and were allowed to actually make purchases. Uh, and that's where we really saw the, the exponential uptake in terms of, you know, how we had undercalled that period um, as, as we had. And, and it's, it's been phenomenal. You know, ShopRite and the pick and pay are now trading smartphones, whereas before it was really entry-level feature stuff. So very interesting to watch. And I think the next thing for us is to keep an eye on how we come out of this. You know, how is that consumer behavior going to be once, you know, the dust settles and, you know, the real impact of, of income becomes prevalent um, and, and, you know, all the socioeconomic stuff that, that comes with that. Unfortunately, those macro-type questions, uh, <laughs> as we've all learned, are things we're going to have to deal with as and when they happen. But right now, yes. have you noticed a massive swing? You mentioned it briefly. You touched on it earlier. Yeah. Have you noticed a massive swing towards smartphones as the key technological device that people are acquiring or, or dealing with now? Because... During lockdown and during this whole social distancing thing, staying in, staying connected and staying in touch is a huge challenge. 
100%. And that's a, yeah, that's a very important observation. And again, it's something we learned, you know, in, in the process is, is being in touch is, is probably more paramount now than what it was uh, two months ago. And, and coupled with that, you know, when there's, you know, there's, there's various strains on, on, on income and that, and that, that obviously drives purchase behavior as well. It became really, really critical for consumers to get the best possible value in that space that they possibly can under the conditions that, you know, that they may find themselves in. And that's where we saw the benefits. You know, we look at C1 and C2, those have been absolutely phenomenal in terms of uptake in the last six to eight weeks. And that really speaks to, you know, A, the consumer looking for value, and B, which is probably more important for them, is is, is the ability to stay stay in touch, you know, as, as has become an expectation, you know, via social media, via, you know, the general, um, you know, the day-to-day workings of, of a consumer who is forced to, to lock down or not move around as much as they're able to. So, so yes, definitely. And having said that, Future Phone yeah. has also been a fantastic opportunity for us. I mean, it's always been there. It's a significant part of our business. You're one of the few to, players who still have a, a reasonably it, decent Future Phone range. Exactly. And in South Africa in particular, 105 has been an absolute winner for I don't know how many years now. We probably, in fact, we're in our fourth, towards the end of our fourth year with various iterations of that 105. You know, where we've ranged based on, you know, the FX of the day, we've raised, uh, ranged from a 199 retail price point up to a 299 retail price point. And still, you know, they, there's been absolutely no impact in the uptake on that. And that really speaks to the fact that voice and SMS still rings very true to a large percent, percentage of the population. That's and a that, really yeah, that's significant been, that's been, thing because we tend to focus yeah. on mobile computing and the fact that you've got to WhatsApp and do all that sort of stuff. But obviously mm-hmm. in the broader, probably the, the lower income market, just having the ability to send an SMS or make a phone call is a key enabler. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've seen enormous growth or continued steady growth in that space as well as as a big jump in the in the demand for smart devices. Absolutely. And and you know it's was the double edged sword. So it's it's been a fantastic period of time for us, but it's also been a very challenging time because for the first time ever and we're still, you know, in the very early stages of building this, you know, this business back up and getting, you know, the second ch- chapter of the brand going. Um, we now have a, a unique problem where it's a demand problem and, and not a supply problem. So we now, we're at the front end of this, you know, we've got, you know, where our production takes place and the capacity that that production provides is being able to keep up with this pent up demand that we have for, for the devices that we have in market. And um, so, so that's something that, we, you know, it's an ongoing balancing act that we, that we need to manage. That's been a real challenge, I think, globally with, with supply lines and supply chains and certainly China shutting down for a couple of months. Has that affected your business considerably or, or is that something that you, you could work around in any way in the last couple of months? It's- yeah, it's, it's, uh, thankfully our planning was pretty robust going into this period and it was really driven by the strength of our portfolio and the proposition that we had and the value that we had in the product that we were planning for. So, so under normal circumstances based on a COVID scenario plan, we had planned really, really robustly. But as I said earlier, you know, we were, we were sort of 30 to 35% out in terms of being you know, significantly higher on the uptake of our product over the COVID, you know, the real lockdown uh, period. And that's something that we're now, 
you know, we're working working with our obviously our, our, our production partners and the, and the component suppliers and all that good stuff to stay abreast of what this demand is delivering and also keeping a close eye on how it could look in the next three to six weeks. Um, the potentially like three to, months. I wouldn't like to be a production planner in this current environment. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll tell you what, we're not alone, eh, Stephen. I, you know, I think all the OEMs are feeling feeling the same. You know, it's a very small pool of of, of communication that we have in South Africa with our retail partners and our and our network operators. And it's something that's being felt at, at, at different, you know, different levels and in different areas of, of that OEM space, so, not just unique to us. So moving, moving a little bit ahead in terms of what's going on now with all these various products and, 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 and um, devices that are available on the market, has there been a, a significant shift locally and in terms of what you guys have, have experienced around the world in which handsets and the types of features on handsets that your consumers have demanded. Yeah, good, good question. It's 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 kind of a mixed bag at this stage, but I think if you were to back a couple of horses, they would be the usual suspects. You know, if you think of the way people are still consuming, and even more so, yeah, under the current circumstances, consuming the kind of content that that they you know that they have their devices for, it's still about screen size, it's still about processing power. Um, it's very much about battery life as well, particularly in a, you know, on a continent and, and, and in South Africa, if we bring it back you know, closer to home, um, you know, the power elements around those devices and the frequency with which you need to charge, that's still a massive uh, consideration too. But I think the single biggest thing, and this is really, I think, brought um, and, and really a KSP for us, has brought it to the fore- forefront, is, is the fact that consumers are looking to gain as much value as possible uh, for as little outlay as possible. You know, we see the high-end flagship devices just getting more and more expensive, uh, and the ability for consumers to, you know, to, to absorb that cost is becoming less and less. Obviously, you know, under the current circumstances, it makes it extremely difficult for that momentum to carry through. But in terms of, you know, the, the, the devices that we put out there and the promise that we have in terms of the user experience, you know, being consistent across the entire portfolio and the value that it delivers uh, particularly in the low and the mid tier of our portfolio, has really borne some 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 great rewards for us. So it's all about value, and it's getting as much as you possibly can um, for as 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 fair a deal as possible. And that I think that's going to get even you know it, it's going to become more important uh, in the coming months. There's no doubt. Well, there was no question that Nokia always your your not that you ignored the higher end, but you certainly tried to compete in the sort of value side of the market considerably. And that's actually yeah. a very challenging area because so many people are operating in that space. But have you found that the, the brand, the Nokia brand, has assisted you guys considerably uh, because it's a recognizable product and people trust what they're getting from you guys in that space? Yeah, without a shadow of doubt. You know, you and I have had, had, had a number of coffees <laughs> over the last couple of years, you know, as we started the second chapter. Um, I, I don't think we, we realized the responsibility that we had in doing the brand justice based on where the brand had come from. So the resonance, the affinity to the brand, the, the experiences that people have had across across the age spectrum um, was massive. And with that comes a massive amount of responsibility. You know, the, the Nokia brand was always synonymous with the quality hardware build, fantastic user experience, a battery that just went on forever. Um, and, and reliability, I guess, being front and center. And those are all the finished, you know, type of, of qualities that, that have been with, with Nokia for, you know, for in, in excess of 25 years. So, so beginning a second chapter in this, in this process and, and having, you know, Nokia become front and center again, 
um, came with a lot of responsibility, and those were things we were never going to you know, budge on. And, and, and thankfully, the feedback that we're getting from consumers, um, you know, from from the, you know the likes of the media yourselves, is that you know we haven't we haven't stumbled on that at all. We've we've kept we've kept quality front and center. We've kept usability front and center. And I think what's maybe changed this time around is we brought a more human element uh, to to the brand, which is resonating really well with. With the, yeah, the, the, the significant part of the population in South Africa. And give us a little bit of insight so, into that, because at the end of the day, we're talking about glass and plastic and stainless steel and aluminium slabs that look very similar to each other. What are you guys doing to try to personalize this and make it a little bit more human and more recognizable? Yeah, I think also a great question. And I think something, yeah, something we've hung our hat on quite heavily from day one. And, and it became, it became mission critical to help consumers understand this too is, is the fact that these devices now run Android, which is, you know, upward of 85% of, of, uh, of the global market in terms of operating systems on devices. And um, that's one thing. So, so your captive audience, your captive market is, is as big as what that opportunity provides. But the differentiator in us is that we're, uh, we implemented from the get go the pure Android experience where, you know, it was basically as, as Google intended, where you get a blank Google canvas and I'm, I'm really dumbing it down in terms of, of, of how it's executed on. But out of the box, you have absolutely nothing that compromises or encroaches on what you as an individual, you know, want to use that device for. It's, it's the purest form of Android loaded on the device, a blank canvas. Uh, you will, you know, have the opportunity to load the applications that you, that you want to load. The look and feel is entirely up to you. Personalizing the device is entirely in your control. So there's no bloatware, there's no skins, there's no layers of extra stuff that is not necessarily wanted or needed by a consumer loaded on those devices. So that's been a massive caveat. And, 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 and the, uh, the big positive that comes out of that, and you'll know this better than anyone, Stephen, is, is the security element on those devices. Um, yeah, the benefits that it delivers in terms of getting those updates first, uh, getting the frequency of the updates um, without missing a beat, you know, monthly. Uh, the OS updates for two years uh, over the life cycle of the device um, as part of the deal um, and, and first to market with that. Those are massive benefits that consumers are thankfully starting to see now because it's a message that we've been pushing continuously for the last you know, almost four years. It was a difficult road to travel because you know, Android can be pervasive in so many ways and, and, and it's skimmed in so many different ways based on your previous experiences. So getting that mindset change, getting that education going around security and, and the purest form of Android was, was something that we focused heavily on in the early days. And that's starting to, to bear fruits now, which is really positive. And I mean, there's no question that you guys are able to, because you have no, there's nothing between you and pure Android, You've been able to update and to keep on top of the latest versions of Android at a speed that many of your competitors haven't been able to do. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, that counterpoint server was phenomenal. Yeah, we came out trumps in terms of security and OS updates uh, continuously, consistently for the last four years. And, and I think that coupled, you know, the user experience is one element uh, and the security and, and, and all that good stuff, but, but you know, we were never going to compromise on hardware either. You know, the, the, the build of the hardware, the quality of the hardware that we deploy was something that we were certainly not going to compromise on at, 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 any, at any stage. And that's showing really, you know, we've got some really good data now coming back where you know our failure rates and return rates and and all that good stuff that you measure your quality on are, are completely insignificant in the bigger scheme of things so so I think we've you know we've ticked that box right uh, quite nicely too 
And when, when times are tough, you tend to find strong brands shine through and the lesser brands fade away. Are you starting to see that happen in the mobile device environment? Because, you know, it was so easy to pick up a ton of different devices with all interesting sounding names. Things are tight now. People need to be more strategic in their purchasing. Are you seeing a, a, a solid return to known brands across the, yeah. the mobile market? Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and, and as you know, uh, you know, the last two, maybe three years has become, I guess, quite, quite cluttered in terms of what's been available in market, particularly in the bands that we, that, you know, that we play in, you know, that mid and mid high entry, mid and mid high space. Um, so yes, you know, that sense of reliability, that sense of having an anchor towards a tier one brand, that sense, sense of, you know, all the benefits that come with, you know, making an investment in a tier one brand is certainly starting to resonate with, with people now. And yeah, t- you know, when times are tough, that it, it really tests, you know, tests that system. Um, and, and I think, and it's a great point actually that you raised because if I think of the last six to eight, eight weeks in particular, you know, over a time, timeline of, of four years, that in particular has been tested really, really robustly. And I think you're right. I think there is that affinity to a recognized tier one brand um, is certainly more prevalent now than what it was potentially, you know, 18 months to two years ago. 100%, I would agree with it. Moving into something, you know, <laughs> always looking forward and with 5G on the horizon, apparently MTN are launching 5G today. That's uh, Tuesday, the 30th of June. And... Um, so many things are, are changing in the mobile industry right now, despite, maybe in spite of all these changes that are happening globally. But what is Nokia doing in that space? I know you guys have got some interesting higher-end plans for the nearest future. Uh, you know, can you share any of that, that thinking, if not some of the product stuff that you're looking at going forward? No, absolutely. I mean, if I just speak about South Africa, it's no different to other markets, I guess. You know, there's a very, very strong um, engagement process with the operators. You know, we kind of led by the operator strategy for the most part, particularly in a country like South Africa where, you know, product flow is, you know, upward of 85, maybe even 90% of product flows through operators. So being aligned to their strategy is, um, is, is critically important, you know, whether it's a 2G one, a 3G one, and ultimately the buzzword now being, being 5G. Definitely something that is top of mind for us. Um, we certainly aren't going to rush to market in terms of making a product available just for the sake of making it available. Bearing in mind, we have a very strong link into, into Nokia International, obviously the network business, you know, where 5G as a, as a technology is, is, you know, front and center for them. And for us to, to at every turn not put ourselves in a situation where we, by virtue of the Nokia branded device in the 5G form, compromises what the network guys are doing. That's also a major consideration with us. And coupled with that is also what you know what the strategic in, intent is of, of the two major players in South Africa being Vodacom and MTN, and ensuring that we align you know to that strategy. But I think the biggest consideration for us, and we we under no illusions of grandeur. You know, we're not at a stage yet where we can charge 15, 16, 17,000 rand for a 5G device. So we still want to create value in that 5G space. We want to be very strongly aligned to the operator strategy and ultimately, from a consumer perspective, deliver the best possible value that we, that we can. And, and we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing that we know that 8, 8.3 has been, has been announced globally. So we're really excited, um, of, of that 
you know, that device's introduction into South Africa. And obviously, I can't comment on pricing or anything just yet because that's, you know, very so much reliant on the could, you'd be an economist and um, probably make a lot of money because <laughs> nobody knows what the RAND's going to do in the next day, never mind the next couple of weeks. But still, yeah. it is unashamedly a high-end device with all the bells and whistles that you would expect from a device of that sort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, if we could liken it to products in the past, um, you know, the, the Nokia 9 PureView would be in a similar kind of, you know, space as what as, as what the 8.3 would be, uh, particularly Nokia and uh, uh, Nokia 8 Sirocco potentially from a pricing perspective. So um, it'll be massively competitive, and I think and I think ultimately be up to the consumer to decide, you know, where that value lies, and 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 our responsibility is to try and deliver as much value as we possibly can for as little as possible. Without oh, compromising fair, fair enough. But now we've got to wrap up. Unfortunately, time flies. But what is, in your opinion, the most exciting product that you have on the market currently um, and the one that you're probably seeing the best success with uh, right now? I knew you were going to put me in the spot. <laughs> I have to it ask only things. A I'm a gadget time. guy. <laughs> I'm going to take I'm going to take maybe a different uh, a different approach on this, Stephen. It's a it's a it's a great question. You you, yeah, you mentioned uh, the fact that we're playing in that entry mid mid high space, which is which is a very difficult you know segment of the market to to play in, but hugely critical for us because that allows scale in our world. It allows us to get as many devices into as many hands as possible. It becomes a word of mouth function. It becomes a a tactical integration of you know market activity, ATL, BTL that we pull together as well. Um, and that then sets the platform for the higher stuff. So we're going to be very intentional in the second half of this year to start building up the value chain through various means. We started that with a 2.3. Uh, the 5.3 um, obviously has been announced as well, so we'll, we'll, we'll carry on with that. But if I had to put peg my hat on, on, I'd say three products are still driving significant word of mouth, significant volumes, um, to the point where it's creating this this foundation that we need. I would absolutely go 105 in the in the feature phone space. But more importantly for us, as we you know, develop our foray into smart devices, C1 and C2 have been absolutely phenomenal just by virtue of the scale. Um, you know, we've been able to ramp these two products uh, up, up with, um, and the feedback we're getting in terms of its of its of its success, success. and and that really you know, speaks to you know the bold quality, the user interface, and the fact that they're getting consumers are getting a consistent experience on a C as consistent as, as experience on C1 and C2 is what they're doing higher up the value chain as well. So so I would say those three products, one in the feature phone space being 105, massively important and doing fantastically well for us, but C1 and C2 is where I would hang my hat on in terms of being the, the success stories right now. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I uh, look forward to playing with your new to- your new devices as they come out. And uh, we'll chat again soon. So good luck and thanks for joining us here on High FM. Thanks so much, Stephen. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Time has run away with us. I've only got a few minutes to talk a little bit about really an interesting new product from a company called One Life. But they've done this in conjunction with Hanover Ray and Samsung and uh, a smaller, lesser-known, but quite important little company called LifeQ. And essentially, the option is that you sign up for life insurance with One Life, and if you get more than a million rand life insurance, they will send you a brand-new, shiny Samsung watch. And together with a um, an app that you download 
from the various app stores, and that's both Android and iOS. So the Samsung Watch works both with Android and iOS, so it's not limited. You can then grow your life cover while you sleep. And what they do is they track sleep, they track activity, they track heart rate, they track all sorts of other metrics. And together with the little app, they reward you for good living, so good health. You don't have to go to the gym, though that works and it doesn't affect your discovery points. If you do go to the gym, one day when we can go back to gyms, but that's another story. But what is so cool about this is that you can, if you, if you get a little bit of extra sleep or go for a walk and you positively change your habits in terms of the indicators that they've selected in terms of what they reflect in terms of your health and your your risk profile goes down. As that risk profile goes down, you know, all about risk for insurance companies, you can grow life cover for, by up to 216 rand per day, call it six and a half grand per month, and that's a significant growth over the period. Now, insurance is a real grudge purchase. It's a real challenge. You can find out more about this from the One Life website um, or the LifeQ website. So go and have a look at those two. Insurance, life insurance is something that we all get involved in at some point or another. We all tend to um, have to have some of it with, for our families, you know, for for whatever our responsibilities are. And it's always been an external risk management thing. So in other words, the, the actuaries go and they look at all the stats, the mortality, health and all those sort of stats, and they come up with a quote from you. But at no stage in history have we been in a position to actually bring that down to an individual. In other words, what is your baseline health profile? What is your baseline in terms of of your activity? How does that impact your health? Now, yes, we've had blood tests and we've had little health screenings and whatnot, but the insurance companies always worked on a very, very generalized model that didn't really relate. They said for a man, average age of 30, your cover is X and 40, it's Y, etc., etc. So this technology developed with LifeQ and Hanover Ray has brought or rather closed the loop in terms of how you interact with your insurance company. Now, the one little drawback that I can see is that not everybody wants a, a Samsung smartwatch, and they do have a 40 and a 42 millimeter, and they are pretty clean looking with tons and tons of functionality. And coupled with a Samsung phone, you know, all the health activity and health features work really well. You're running in the GPS and you can even get an eSIM version so you can um, have a phone on your wrist when you go for a run without anything. So as a smart device, it's definitely one of the better ones out there. Very competitive with the Apple Watch in general. And they've got it to the point where it looks really dressy for the most part. So it is something that a lot of people us will, people will wear for no real reason, but, or no, you know, no, there's no deterrent to them wearing it 24 by 7. You have to sleep with it and the battery life has to cover that, which is great and it does. But the, the concept of using a wearable device that can check your heart rate, that can warn you, they haven't released that yet, but you will be able to take actual readings and warn you if your heart rate, if there's any problems with your heart, and it'll let you know, and you can take action. But the concept of personal tech, reading personal information, and checking and, and making sure that your insurance product is linked to it. They, the one question that, I, that was asked of them was, how would this affect your policy should you actually not be healthy, and should you not 
uh, be active? Or should it pick up some sort of health issue? Well, one, it's not going to affect your insurance policy in any way, shape or form. It simply will not grow because of the positives, but it won't go worse or nothing will change from the negatives. And your data is extremely safe. It's anonymized for the most part. Um, and the individual data that's held on you is held in this, in, in the highest level of, of security and compliant with Poppy and all the various acts out there. So your personal information, which insurance companies have in any, any, um, in any effect on you is all kept very, very, very confidential. But the trick and the brilliance of this whole system, and it is a world first, something that Samsung highlighted at the launch, that they are looking at rolling this out with many other partners around the world, and it's their system called VioSense, which is created with LifeQ. And that system is far greater or has far greater applicability than simply South Africa. So expect to see it happening more and more globally, which is brilliant from a South African company who created the technological back end to the whole system. But from the point of view of understanding what is going on with your health, wellness, fitness, having a wearable, absolutely the, the research has shown improves your ability to move, to get around, gets you off the couch quicker because you're tracking things and understanding what is going on with your health is definitely one of the first steps in getting rid of the uh, uh, lockdown bulge and getting you fitter and healthier. And the quality of the information that is coming from variables to, uh, from wearables today is pretty, pretty insane. The amount of information around your sleep, around your heart rate, around your blood pressure, which is coming soon. They can calculate the VO2 max. That's the oxygen level used in your muscles. So all these various elements are used across the whole platform to, to work out a fitness score from, I think, 1 to 100. And that score will then entitle you to benefits. So it's, it's a little gamified. It's a little rewarded. So you go for a walk, you get a reward, you, you bring your heart rate down, you get another little reward, you sleep a couple of extra hours. And there's lots of research showing that sleep has a massive impact on your, um, on your health and also the quality of sleep. And I've seen some of the programs that uh, Samsung offer, you know, it shows you your REM sleep, it shows you the various types of sleep. So you can then modify your habits in order to get better sleep. Uh, and improve your health. So I think this we're going to see a lot more of this. Wearables are going to become part of everybody's life. You know, you you won't wander out the house without one. And uh, in fact, in many cases, it has highlighted issues with people that I know. Uh, they've been warned by the Apple Watch to go and uh, have their heart rate checked because something's been detected that was not quite according to plan. So expect to see more of this, but I think this collaboration between One Life Samsung and LifeQ is the start of more and more technology becoming more and more embedded in the life of everybody and everything that we do. So have a look for that. You'll find it both on all the websites, One Life, Samsung, and LifeQ. You can just Google them and Google VeoSense, and you'll come up with their various platforms. And if you are a One Life customer, contact them. And ask them for your free smartphone or smartwatch that you can then start tracking all the bits and pieces that you need to do. And on that note, I'm being told that our time is up for a, another week until same place, same time. Lots of technology, lots of new gizmos and gadgets. 
finally we're getting some gadgets to review, so I've got some interesting stuff to talk about. And we will be with you again, same place, same time, right here on High FM. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.